What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm, and I'm joined tonight after the Celtics won their second game in a row for the first time since January by the person covering the team who is probably least happy about that. It's Chris Grenham, Washington Wizards fan and good pal of the show. Grenham, what's going on, man? Just a classic, classic Wizards meltdown. As we like to say on Wizards Twitter, it's so Wizards. It was very on brand. Uh, but yeah, back-to-back wins for the Celtics. That's a positive. I mean, that doesn't happen a whole lot right now. So that was good. <laughs> it does not. I'm just smiling uh, through the pain right now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, this was a wild one and we can get into all the reasons why it was wild. But just to recap for anybody, if you happen to miss it, the uh, the Celtics down the stretch, they were down five with about 45 seconds left. Jason Tatum paraded to the rim twice. Obviously, the Wizards were pretty focused on not letting the Celtics get three pointers. Tatum went right to the rack, got a couple of layups. And then after the second one, instead of fouling right away when the Wizards inbounded to Bradley Beal, Tatum and Javante Green trapped him pretty well, but mostly it just looked like he slipped. Um, His foot went out of bounds. He was pretty clearly out of bounds. It pretty clearly wasn't a foul. After the game, Beal called the final minute or so some of the goofiest shit he's ever seen in his life, which was pretty funny um, because then the Celtics managed to get the ball inbounds. Jason Tatum got the ball in the post, which incidentally, I don't know if, uh, if you like Jason Tatum in the post this year. It's, it's less than a possession a game, but he's averaging 1.56 points per possession in the wow. post. So um, something to maybe talk about there. But Tatum gets the ball somewhat posting up Bradley Beal pretty far out, gets right by him, gets a layup. Celtics get a stop on the other end. That was the ball game. Celtics won their second in a row, and it felt very much. I mean, like I, I kind of see what Brad Beal meant when he said it was some of the goofiest shit he's ever seen. Like it was kind of goofy. I mean, it was a nice win, and I think you know Brad Stevens has talked before this season about how he's just like getting a win in the NBA is tough, and, and getting uh, and like no matter how it comes out, it can give you a good feeling going forward. And I think that's I think that's the biggest takeaway for the Celtics here is hopefully that you know hopefully for them this kind of starts them all, you know, kind of gives them some good vibes rather than everything that's been going on. It was so goofy. Like It was so goofy. Like, what were they? <laughs> the Celtics were down, what, like, I think it was eight with just under three minutes left and they were able to claw back. I mean, in fairness, yeah, the Wizards really melted down there toward the end. But, like, the Celtics did come on pretty strong at the end. They had a couple big shots from guys like Shemi and Javante had a nice bucket inside. Like, the guys did step up. And realistically, when I, when they were entering that final stretch and it was looking a little shaky for the Celtics, I was watching and thinking to myself, like, man, this is a tough situation with no Marcus Smart, no Jalen Brown, and you got to close with Javante and Shemi playing some really meaningful minutes. So it was going to be interesting to see how they made that work. And – Credit to them. They did both step up and they were both very solid on the defensive end, which they are most of the time. But I thought Javante for certain stretches, obviously he didn't stop Bradley Beal, but like he did an okay job limiting him when he, where he could at, on certain possessions. But I thought that was impressive down the stretch that they were able to kind of push back with those two guys playing meaningful minutes. That being said, the Wizards just absolutely imploded on some parts. Like Scott Brooks definitely should have called a timeout when he saw that inbound play just going nowhere because that's happened 
I cannot tell you how many times that has happened to the Wizards down the stretches of close games. Like the Wizards have a bad record, but they lose a lot of close games and it's always like brain farts. And like that last possession, credit to the Celtics coaching staff. Like that's the play the Wizards run more often than not in a close game. Bradley Beal comes and sets a back screen. He hooks around and normally they rely on the team switching. And so he's got a nice mismatch. He gets to the corner and he can cut to the hoop or get a shot off. You know, Brad Stevens sniffed that out from the jump and they did a really nice job. That being said, the minute he's the best player on the court, he cannot miss. The second he gets double teamed, everyone on the Wizards was so dumbfounded. Like, oh my God, look at this. This is crazy. Like it was such an absolute breakdown. So it worked on both sides here is what I'm, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, uh, for sure. And I mean, I, I think, you know, the Celtics were smart to uh, obviously to, to chase, like you said, to chase them around it, um, bring the double team immediately. I mean, you're just like, look, it, Bradley Beal has a million points. I think he ended with yeah. 46 on 29 shots. It's like, if you lose because I don't even know who else was on the court, if you lose, just make someone else beat you. If yeah. you lose because Rui Hachimura made a shot, then you lose because Rui Hachimura, or, like, right. five, you know, right. Right. Uh, Rui Hachimura was not making a lot of shots tonight. Yeah, I believe he was one for five tonight. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, real stellar stuff from Rui Hachimura and uh, Denny Avdia, who uh, um, I just, again, I, you know, we were texting before, and I want to just once again point out that uh, both like Brandon Clark and Tyler Hero were available when they drafted Hachimura. And uh, we know that Tyrese Halliburton was available when they uh, went ahead and. Uh, snagged uh denny idea so it's gonna be a let's bury grenham episode this is great <laughs> this is terrific Listen, man, you've been burying me you've been burying me over sadiq bay all year so I gotta, it's fair uh, that's very that. fair it's very fair so jason tatum and bradley beal are i mean like they have an interesting relationship i mean they've been good friends for a long time like, you know, they've been good friends since they were kids uh you know they, they obviously they were both working with drew hamlin i mean they're still very very close tatum said after the game that they text um, it was funny that Beal basically like was like, yeah, Tatum's been struggling recently, and then he was like, <laughs> yeah. I was pissed that he got it going against us, which I thought was funny. I, I mean, it was it was it was pretty special to watch those two cook. Beal yeah. is just unbelievable these days. <laughs> like, I know there's a, for some reason there's like a segment of Celtics fans that just really does not like Drew Hamlin. Yeah, that dude has, has coached up Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum, Zach Levine, and Joel Embiid, and all the four of those. I mean, it is a uh, very successfully. Yeah, it is a victory lap type year. For yes, Drew Hamlin uh, and Shemi, and he's helped Shemi along too. Shemi. He clearly can step up and play pretty well. Yeah, yeah. for sure. But I mean, Beal and Tatum, I have just, I mean, like that battle was really, really fun. Beal mm-hmm. has gotten. I remember when he was coming out of college, I think a lot of people were kind of looking at him as like, oh, you know, he's kind of a Ray Allen type, you know, like very much a shooter. He is kind of a Ray Allen type in like, if people remember like Supersonics, Ray Allen, he yes. do like everything like he's, yeah. he is nice. Um, and he's, and it, I mean, tonight he had 46 points and he was three for six from three. Like he, right. he is not just a shooter. Like, I mean, I mean, obviously I, I just like the, the way that he gets his baskets is so fun to watch. He's so polished and so good. I wish he was on a good team. But, yeah, it's uh, really unfortunate. There's a lot of empty <laughs> points being scored from Bradley yeah. Bill. You're right, though. He's progressed a ton since he came out of Florida. Like, his scoring package has evolved even over the last two years or so. He's always been a great scorer, but he can yeah. score in such a variety of ways now. And if he gets a one-on-one matchup with seemingly anyone, he's going to be able to beat him off the dribble and get to the rim really easily. Such a good finisher. It, it is fun to watch, but it does suck that he's on the Wizards. His bag is ridiculous, man. Like Crazy. That- and that's the thing I feel like, you know, I feel like that's the thing that like Drew Hanlon guys like right now kind of have, like they just have these like insane bags of tricks and, yep. uh, and, and, and they're so good at using them too. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, it, it's really impressive stuff. 
So I mean, that was really fun. But then Jason Tatum, I thought really shook off, you know, some of the problems that have been limiting him over the, over the last couple of weeks. He, you know, 12 for 22, which is a good line. He missed uh, seven three-pointers. He was three for 10 from three. Uh, one of the things that I, I tweeted after the game, pre-COVID, it was about 10 games. He shot 42.3% from three. Post-COVID, he's at about 32%. I mean, you can just see it. Like, he's not creating the same amount of space. He just doesn't have the same pop when he's, you know, behind the three-point line right now. Um, I, what do you kind of make of his struggles since COVID and just especially his struggles from three? Like, what have you seen there? Yeah, I thought that was an interesting stat you put up, but it makes sense because you saw, like, obviously against the Pacers, he gets hung trying to dunk when he's coming down the lane. Like, his legs just haven't been there. And I'd have to go back and look tonight. I didn't really pay close attention to this because he was playing relatively well. But in his last couple games where he was struggling quite a bit, all of his misses were short. He was front rimming basically all of his at least threes. And so in my mind, it was like, all right, he's gassed. Like he's just gassed. And I don't know if it was COVID related. I, I obviously he had said that he was having some energy struggles. He was gassed much quicker since he had recovered from COVID. So that could very well be playing into it. But, you know, watching him against Indiana on Friday, I was like, this guy needs a day off bad. And so, and so does, so does Brown and, and, you know, Jalen got his today. And in my mind, I was like, Tatum might not be able to snap this funk until he gets a day or two off. Um, Just because on top of having COVID, which is difficult enough as it is, you know, it's, it's a pretty condensed schedule here. So, and, and it's a ruthless schedule. So, I was impressed that he was able to snap out of it without getting a day off. Uh, and, you know, I, obviously they didn't practice on Saturday, so that kind of served as one. But I was happy to see him snap out of it for his own sake because I think it can be a mental thing really quickly. But back to his struggles in the past, I just think he was really tired. I don't think he had a lot of legs under him at all. He wasn't quick off the dribble. The explosiveness just really wasn't there. And he was missing a lot of front rim shots. So that was that was kind of my take. I have no inside knowledge at all. So that was just an outsider's view watching him closely. For sure. Yeah. Well, and I mean, look, like I, I think Tatum, you know, he's a streaky guy. I, yeah. I think there is probably going to be a stretch once he's kind of got his feet back under him where he goes crazy again. Like, yeah. I, I think that we're probably going to be in for a pretty, a pretty severe uh, uptick, um, you know, back toward the mean there. And I think the other thing I, I wish, you know, I wish the NBA wasn't having an all-star game. It makes very little sense to be having one, but yes, I think especially for guys like Tatum and Brown, where Tatum is, has been dealing with COVID. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, this is, this is true for a lot of guys. It's not just those guys. Everybody like is fatigued, which is part of the reason why this all-star game is, you know, brutal, but you know, especially for guys like Tatum and Brown, where Tatum had COVID and you can see the fatigue and you can see how he's struggling due to the, due to the fatigue. Mm-hmm. Look at Jalen's had knee tendonitis and, and that has been limiting him a little bit. Obviously he didn't play tonight due to it. I mean, think how nice it would be for those guys if they could take a weekend, go put their feet up on like a beach somewhere, you know, <laughs> even if you're only going to be there for like three days, just to go, just go put your feet up, relax. Yeah. You know, like, hydrate and just, yeah, drink yeah, some just, water you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah yeah like yeah. And, and then come back and and uh you know like rejuvenate a little bit like i think it helps that it's just the saturday 
that you, mm-hmm. that they have to be down there and that they're in and out. I, I mean, yeah. I assume that it helps. And, you know, and there's a couple of days off after before they get in back into the schedule. And I think Celtics are, are home a little bit more, even if the, you know, the schedule isn't super easy, but just imagine how much better I think like Jason Tatum would feel if he, you know, was able to, was able to do that. Like, and it's not, yeah. it's not a fair position to put anybody in because of course everybody wants to go to the all-star game. Like it's right. one of the most watched events of the year in the NBA. Like, of course everybody wants to be there, but yeah. It's such a messed up spot to put someone like Jalen Brown in. Like, never yeah, made an All Star game. Especially. It's in Georgia, in where he's from, in his hometown. Like, of course he's going to want to go, but he's also dealing with knee tendonitis. And yeah. like, I'm watching him at the game on Friday night, and every time he comes off the bench, he immediately has a trainer, one of the performance staff guys, working on his knee. Like that, he he should not be going and having to play in an All Star game this weekend. Like, it's it's too bad, but. On the other side, like we were just saying, like it is cool for him because he got an all-star appearance and he gets to do it in his hometown. So like unfair spot to put some of these guys in. And like you said, it's happening across the league, which is why I just don't think it's a very good idea to have this game. But yeah, I mean, you got to think like the Celtics coaching staff in front office would be like, I really wish these guys could just go hang out somewhere for four days, five days, whatever it might be, get a little treatment, maybe just like lay low instead of going and playing more basketball. But I guess that's just part of the uh, ridiculous season we're watching right now. Speaking of guys who could probably use some time off, but he's come along recently. Uh, Kemba Walker had, I thought, a really nice game tonight. I was, uh, when I was writing up my takeaways for Boston.com, one of the things that I was going to, one of the things that I included this time was kind of star of the game. And I had it down where if if the Celtics, uh, if the Celtics won, it was going to be Kemba up until the last, like, Honestly, until the last 45 seconds, like yeah. the, Tatum two, was, the two, the two buckets at the end. Yeah. I mean, three, he had a, Tatum yeah. had four baskets in the last minute, 33, you know, the, the, oh, I guess he did. Yeah. He had that yeah. turnaround. I and forgot he about the two, turnaround. That was late too. Yep. Where he had two that where he went right to the rim and then he had his, his game winner. And up until honestly, those last two baskets, I had it as Kemba because if the Celtics won, because yeah, he had 21 points, but he was also the guy who assisted every single one of Daniel Tice's buckets when the mm-hmm. Celtics were rallying back. And that yeah. was such a pivotal moment that probably will go a little bit under discussed because, you know, it's like there was there was heroics. There was Jason Tatum. There was Bradley Beal. But like without that little stretch by Daniel Tice and like the offense that Kemba created, the Celtics don't win this game. So I thought Kemba was great. Um, I think he's been good now two games in a row. Obviously he had the the one stinker that kind of uh, broke up a stretch there of pretty good games. Like Kemba yeah. Walker's coming back and I'm really interested to see how that's going to look because he looks a lot better. For sure. Like that early fourth quarter stretch was really, really big. And people look at his numbers and they're oh, like 21 points, seven to 17, like relatively efficient, like pretty good night. But yeah, him and Tice, those couple i don't know how many buckets tice had in the early fourth quarter four. yeah but that was a sure huge was stretch that was yeah. a huge stretch and kemba was facilitating all of those buckets like you need him to do that you need that ball mover in there it shows you how difficult it is for this offense to operate when he sits out of back-to-back it's really tough because we've talked about it endlessly but the roster construction is so difficult where you have some guards and you have some bigs and then very minimal wings. And there's just not a lot of ball movers on this roster, like effective ball movers. Jeff Teague hasn't been a great ball mover. Like Peyton Pritchard has his stretches, but you need Kemba to be that guy to kind of be the guy who gets this thing running. So, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at his stats from Friday night. I knew he was great, but 10 of 19, 32, like that's a terrific, terrific night. 
in addition to six assists. Like you would have never seen that from him a couple of weeks ago yep. at all. And he's stringing them together, which is the most important thing. So, yeah, I mean, that's massive for this offense because especially on a night without Jalen Brown, like you desperately need him running the show and facilitating everything. Early in the season, I mean, like or when he first came back, I mean, he just did not even look like a guy who could score 30. No, he looked no. like he looked like a guy for when he scores 30 points and the team just freaks out and gives him like the game ball. You know what yeah. I mean? That's, yeah, that's like the type of player he looked like. And now he looks like a guy who like, yeah, he's probably not going to score 30 most nights because that's going to be Jalen and Jason's job. Mm. But yeah, if you need him to, like Kemba Walker's here. He's like he's available. So I think he I think he broke through that mental block a little bit. You could yeah. tell, and he talked about it too. It's hard when you come back. Like, I don't think we can really put ourselves in his shoes, but when you come back from an injury like that and you're constantly thinking about it in the back of your head, especially with the way he plays, he cuts so hard, he relies so much on that change of pace, like rapid change of pace. That has to be so, so difficult. So now I think he's on the other side of that hump, that mental hump, which is huge. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think one of the ways you can tell is because he's dishing, because that is something you do when you're controlling the flow of the offense, which isn't something you can do when you're still kind of coming back. You're still kind of working your way back in. Like, mm-hmm. like when you start really passing and really controlling the game that way, that's a really good indicator. I think that you're starting to, that you're starting to put things together again. And, and I will say too, like we, we were obviously kind of the doomer podcast, um, you know, when the Celtics were really struggling, uh, Nicole and I were not particularly shy about, uh, you know, about how we felt about how the team was, was struggling. And, and I stand by a lot of that because I have a hard time. I don't know how much Kemba is going to, you know, he's certainly going to help when he's healthy. He's certainly going to help. I don't know yeah. that he turns the Celtics into contenders just by virtue of being back. You know, there's a lot of problems with this team. And certainly Kemba, you know, being a, a much better player and getting Marcus Smart back, like those things will help. But like, you know, they still basically have like, you know, like, I mean, they still have like a very, a very thin roster and they, you know, they still have issues on with their big rotation that like need to yeah. be sorted out. There's a lot of problems here, but Kemba Walker being back makes this team like, like it's a completely different outlook. And 100%. if they can win, I think if they can split one of these next two, Kemba's a lot better. That Marcus Smart is coming back. Daniel Tice um, <laughs> just dropped on us that Romeo Langford might be back uh, <laughs> in the close game, which uh, was very funny. You know, like I think having all those guys back, and, and if they can, as, again, if they can split one of these last two, Brad Stevens talked about how important these four games were. If they go three and one during the stretch going into the All Star break, that'd be huge. So after, after the Hawks game, we we're talking like it was, it was. If they, they were going to go one and three at best. Like it yeah. was like, it was, I believe and, you and I both picked zero and four. <laughs> and yeah. And I was like fully on, and like you said, like this is going to give them like a nice sense of confidence going into the break. Even I think where they stand right now, even if they lose a couple close games to the Raptors and the Clippers, like I do think they're in a much better spot because there's a little burst to this team. Like they were flat during that losing streak. Like there was no energy. Like they were really, really flat at least they're like playing hard on both sides of the ball now, which you didn't see a whole lot of for various stretches, especially in that Atlanta game. It's, it's certainly nice to have Kemba playing this way for the offense, just to get a little rhythm, whether it's leading into the all-star break or just for these past couple games, but Kemba back Marcus smart coming back. Like it all helps, but I am not to be the doomer, but like this team still needs a lot of work on the roster. Like that will help, but it certainly doesn't make them contenders because you still just have a bunch of bigs and a bunch of guards and then two really good wings and nothing else. And so that's a major problem. And I don't really take them seriously as a contender contender until they go get some help elsewhere. 
Well, and look, I, the thing I will say, though, is that if Kemba is good and if Marcus Smart comes back and if this team starts to string some things together, at yeah. that point, if they go out and make a big deal, then, then I'm it's a, to start talking yeah, about it. You know what I mean? 100%. Like, if, I, at the Atlanta game, like a, around that time, I was saying, I don't give a crap what they do at the deadline. It's not going to help. Like yeah. if Kemba can string this together and Smart comes back, like you said, like then that trade would be a difference maker, whatever it ultimately is. Exactly. I mean, like, you know, just if you throw a name out there, like if you just say like Aaron Gordon, right? Like right. if Kemba is healthy and you go get Aaron Gordon, that's I, that's a much more interesting team. And I mean, yeah, 100 percent. Like Kemba, Kemba playing well even makes that young a much more yeah. interesting acquisition. You know what I mean? I hate your Thad Young agenda. I need my Thad Young agenda. <laughs> I need it addressed every episode. So we talked a little bit about Indiana. I don't know how much we want to get into that game. Obviously, mm-hmm. it happened a couple of days ago by the time everybody's listening to this. Uh, it was a very encouraging performance by Kemba. One of the things that I did want to touch on briefly about Kemba's performance in that game was I thought the Celtics sort of broke out of their little stretch. They started off the game really slow. I think they were down like 12-2 earlier, mm-hmm. something along those lines, maybe like 18-4 early on. And it looked like they were on their way to yet another really catastrophic game. And one of the things I thought they did that was really interesting, they used Kemba a lot like they used Isaiah Thomas um, for a mm. little while there. You know, they kind of ran him off some stuff. They yeah. really focused him, um, focused on him. And it made me kind of wonder, like, if the Celtics could do that more often. You know, if they could try to turn Kemba into something like Isaiah Thomas, yeah. run more plays like that, run more sets like that. Obviously, Kemba's really good in the pick and roll, but maybe have him start off in the corner, set a screen for him and run him off like, you know, a high bigs, like in like the handoffs, like those yeah. types of actions that IT just used to feast on. And then I started wondering, well, who would, who would be the guy handing off to him? And I kind of wonder like what, like Jason Tatum plus Kemba Walker would look like up top. I think that would be really interesting if they tried to run some stuff up there. I mean, I like, I'm not a coach. Like, I don't know anything out of Brad's probably considered this type of thing, but like, I, I think that would be really interesting because obviously one of the reasons that worked was because Horford could stretch the floor right. and Horford could kind of put the ball on the floor a little bit and maybe do something if you need him to. Tatum could do that like really well. Yeah. And I, he's probably not the screener that Horford is. He's probably not going to set the illegal screens that Horford absolutely set. Right. But like, I kind of wonder if there's a little bit of untapped potential with those two specifically playing off each other. If the Celtics wanted to go that route instead of just having Kemba be a pick and roll point guard and almost like a spot up wing. Like those are kind of the two things that he does. Yeah. I think there's definitely something to be said to that. I, that's a, that's a good observation from the Pacers game. Cause you know, Brad Stevens is shy about running actions like that for a point guard. Like that's why guards yeah. love playing for him because exactly. he, can, yeah. he can hammer those actions all day long. And Kemba was in actions like that seemingly every night in Charlotte. That's how they, that's how he operated and would score 30 a game at times um, for the Hornets. So yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And running those dual actions, if you can get someone like Jalen or Jason up at the top with Kemba, like that's very interesting. I know Corrales has talked a lot about Jalen Brown being the the guy setting the screen up top and just forcing headaches for opposing teams. Like I think that makes a lot of sense. But you know, that's not something you can just flick overnight. Like that's not something Jalen Brown has done at all. So it's it's great in theory, much more difficult in practice. So that's something I have to keep in mind when I'm watching some of these actions and, and wishing for Jalen Brown to go set a screen. But I think that is also like the the thing about like Tatum Kemba stuff where it's like, yeah, that would take a lot of practice like that. It that's, would. But, but I do I, agree. I think Jay, I think Jason would be very, very good at it. And here's the thing I will say is that one of the things the Celtics say about Jason Tatum, anytime you will talk to them. And I've talked about it on this podcast like five times 
Jay Laranega, if you ask him about Jason Tatum, he will tell you, tell Tatum one thing one mm-hmm. week and a week later he'll have it in his game. And I yeah. kind of wonder if this would be – this is a little different. You know, like this isn't like – you know, th- this is – yeah, this would be like a, a kind of structural shift to his game where it's like, okay, you're not only a three, now you're a four right. too. Like you're you're a real four, not just a not just kind of a fake modern NBA four, right. a real one. And um, that would open up a lot of avenues for that offense, though. And look, like like I I, I brought it up earlier, Tatum posting up is one point. He's posted up at one point five six points per possession this season. Like yeah. he can kind of do some of those things that bigs can do. He's just like skinnier. Yeah. So people don't think of him that way. Right. He's uh, strong. He's much stronger than he was a couple of years stronger. ago. So yeah. I don't know, man. I, I, I'm I'm curious if there's something there. I might be barking up the wrong tree. Tatum could learn that though. I have no doubt he could he could add that to his bag if need be and if if he was willing to. He can drive the golf ball 350 yards now. He started playing less than like a year ago. I have no doubt he could learn how to set a screen effectively. <laughs> that is one of the most obscene things about like professional athletes. You can hit a golf ball, dude. Like I can't. Tatum, I'm convinced if you gave him like a year plus, he could go play in the NHL. And so he's one of those people, one of those athletes who could, I think could do anything. Yeah, the NHL is the right one too because it's like, it's not, he's not a freak athlete. It, it, it's weird how many poster dunks he has. Right. Because he's not a freak athlete. Like, Rob, no. like he, he's athletic enough, certainly. Mm-hmm. And for the agile NBA, and stuff, but yeah. Which, like, and, I, and we're talking about the NBA here because he's a freak athlete for like modern life, of course. Right. Like, he's like six. Talking foot. about you and me. Yeah. He's a modern, yeah, he's a freak he's athlete. He's like wildly elite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, for the NBA, he's a good athlete, but not great. He's mm-hmm. got good length, but not great. People always talk about his go go gadget arms or whatever. I think he's like plus two, like his yeah. wingspan. It's not that impressive. I mean, if we're talking looked- about if that's go-go gadget arms, then Romeo Langford is a freak because like it's like it's yeah, I, yeah. I'm with you. I agree. Like it, like I think he's like got a six eleven wingspan for a six nine mm-hmm. body. Like it's not that crazy. Right. He's just so smooth and so talented and like, and there's just like yeah, like I think the NHL like he would end up in the NHL because it's like he can just put weird skills together. Right. And like right. hockey is all about weird, like weird skills, right? It's like, skating. Oh, he would fit right in. Like what are we doing right here? Like, <laughs> yeah, not a yeah. run jump sport. It's like a yeah. slide. And he would definitely have really good hands with a stick. Like he, he'd be yeah. very good. I'm convinced of it. Yeah, no, I think that's a good one. So yeah, I, I mean, obviously Tatum, uh, Tatum's very good. Anything <laughs> Tatum, else? Jason wanted- Tatum. Very good. Very, very good. good. <laughs> Anything else that you wanted to touch on just kind of in terms of uh, like some bullet points here? Um, Rob Williams obviously had a couple of ridiculous plays. Mm -hmm. He just does that now, like um, 17 minutes for him. I thought Tristan Thompson had like a decent game. Uh, You know, he was one for nine from the floor, which is just. He was good on the glass, though. That was was the thing. Six offensive rebounds. Yeah. He was a little more. How do I want to put this? He was a little more like calm on the glass, if that makes sense. Like there's been a lot of times where he has that weird thing where he comes down slowly and then either tries to like dribble it back out to the perimeter or like he just makes odd decisions a lot of times when he get grabs balls on the offensive glass. And tonight it seemed like he was a little more, he was a little more contained, which I think helps the overall flow of things. I think odd decisions is, is the right way to put it. Like you just kind of watch them and you're like, huh. what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, that yeah. was bad. Like sometimes right. He dribbles it out, kind of that goofy stance. It's just different. Else. You know, like I think one night, one time tonight, he, he did dribble it out and then he like gave it to somebody else. Like I think it was Tatum and he set a screen for him. It was like, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like, Not what I would have done, but that makes sense. That's good. <laughs> I wouldn't have kind of like hunched over and dribbled like Stanley out of the lane <laughs> yeah, in the office. Yeah. Um, yeah but, that's you know, essentially what it is. There. Right. Um, that's exactly right. But um, no, I, I've, I've obviously kind of railed against, uh, you know, the Tristan Thompson signing. 
I've been pretty clear every single time I've done it that like I don't think he's a bad player. Um, he's certainly tortured the Celtics in the past. Tonight we saw a little bit like what it looks like when he tortures somebody else in the way that he used to torture the Celtics, and that's useful. But I still think that like you know he played 18 minutes and Robert Williams played 17 minutes, and mm-hmm. I think if you funnel some of those minutes to Rob, you know you're probably in, in you know maybe in better shape. But Thompson played well tonight. You know credit where credits due. So I, I thought Pritchard was pretty good tonight too off the bench. He's had a couple shaky stretches since he got back from his injury. Um, it's been like hit or miss, but I thought he was pretty consistent. Again, he only had seven points, but five rebounds, two assists. Like he is just kind of a nice energy booster on a team that doesn't always have that off the bench. And I thought tonight was probably one of his better nights off the bench, a little over 20 minutes. So a nice boost when you kind of, you know, Jeff Teague though still played 21 minutes. So they, they kind of platoon those guys nicely tonight because Teague, again, wasn't Teague's been really bad for various stretches, if you want to be blunt about it. But he was not terrible tonight. He was he was fine. Uh, I would. I, would I, I still haven't I, seen him be good since the beginning of the season. But but he wasn't bad tonight for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I want to shout out my man da- uh, Davis Bertans five for nine from the field. Five for nine from the three-point line. Oh, yeah. My man. As a Wizards fan, I mean, that that dude on defense is... You think Ennis Cantor is bad defending in space? My Lord. His his lateral movement is is something to behold. It's it's awful. It's torturous. <laughs> oh, uh, I respect him deeply. <laughs> I respect him going and getting his money. Uh, honestly, like, I'm all for anyone going to get a bag like that. So good for him. 20 points and two rebounds. Just out there to gun up threes. I I love it. I love that. If we're if we're on Wizards notes too, I really have a hard time every time I watch Alex Len play basketball. I question why teams pay him to play basketball. Like it it really bothers me. I don't think he's very good at all. <laughs> I watched the game last night. Uh, yeah, the one when you guys are listening to this two nights ago. I watched the game last night. Uh, and just had pretty much the same thought. Just like. Oh. It made me wonder, like, when Alex Len went into, like, negotiations, like, if his yeah. agent was like, like, just what those conversations sounded like, 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 if his agent was like, we want him to have more playing time, like, like, what teams were clamoring to have Alex Len, right, right. like, I, I just, oh. yeah, very strange, um, yeah. not, not a great player, for sure. No, he hit the Wizards, at, he hit the market when, well, he was with Toronto, right, and they bought him out, and yeah. they, or waived him, or whatever, and he hit the Wizards at a good time when they had to go out. They had like no players that were healthy. They went out and got Anthony Gill from UVA who was playing overseas. Like they needed players. And so I think he walked into a good situation. <laughs> for sure. And Garrison uh, Matthews starts for this team. So yeah, he walked into a good situation. <laughs> it's, a, it's a tough look. All right. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> um, so last thing here, I mean, before we, before we call it a pod, I, going into the break, I think the Celtics are in a pretty good spot. We talked about it a little bit. Like, I think what they, I think they really need to split these last two. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to be tough. It's the Clippers and it's and it's the Raptors. Both games are at home, but both teams are are playing pretty well right now. I think, but I think the Celtics like have a real chance to to kind of have some momentum. Brad Stevens has talked about how like a win builds confidence. I, I think if you asked us like, okay, how are people going to feel about the Celtics going to the break? Like a week ago, we'd be like. 
I mean, like, what can you get for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown since you're just going to have to tear everything down anyway? <laughs> but now, I mean, yeah, like the, the reactionary tides have swung a little bit. And, I mean, they, you know, they look like a – I'm not going to say they look like a contender, but they look like a team that has, like, the bones of a good team again, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. They didn't even have any bones this time last week. Like, it was it – was, Bad, you're right, and the reactionary. Really, uh, it was really the wacky inflatable flailing tube. Yeah, that's exactly what it was, and yeah, try sh- shooting a jump shot with that form. It's not, it's not easy. So it was, <laughs> it was ugly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think splitting is the right way to approach this. I think that Clippers game, there's a chance that could be their last game because it sounds like the Raptors are having some pretty serious COVID issues. I don't know if it's contact tracing positive. I'm not quite sure what the situation is, but they got postponed today. That's true. I think they do play on Tuesday, I believe. So I think they have a game before the Celtics. So that will be interesting. But yeah, I think if they split from both a team and fan perspective, I think they'll be feeling relatively good uh, moving into the break much better than they were a week ago. So, and a lot of that comes back to Kemba, what you were saying before, like he, him running the show and being that facilitator and feeling much clearly much more comfortable. It really makes all the difference, especially when Marcus smart isn't there to add his assists. For sure. Agreed. All right, guys. Well, we will leave it there. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Chris Grenham. Grenham, uh, we're going to have to do, let's do a draft pod. We've been talking about it for like three weeks. We've recorded two of them. I've well, dropped the ball both times. But we'll I get to it. That's everyone. I've long told you, I don't care if they're recorded or not. I'll talk draft with anyone. So it doesn't really matter to me. I'm, I'm no problem at all. We, we, we did kind of miss the window here where the Celtics were out of the playoffs We missed the lottery window. We missed the lottery window because they're probably, again, I don't think they're a contender, but they're probably going to go on a little bit of a win streak here. There was a stretch where we could have started talking like Jaden Springer, or if we wanted to get adventurous, Moses Moody. Oh, yeah. Like we could have really started to bump it up. We would have been in our element for one couple. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like if we wait, if we wait much longer, we're going to get back to talking about like Terrence Shannon. It's going to get really (laughs) depressing compared to what it would have been, (laughs) which is which is better news for the Celtics, realistically. Yeah, but bad news for us, man. Bad news uh, for us. They got to cut this winning out. All right. Yeah. Appreciate everybody who's uh, who's listening. We will uh, talk to you all again later this week. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.